Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. The game nights were really fun too. Just, you know, when, and especially when it was like a ton of people and we we're just all just in there. It was like wild <laughs> and fun and just everyone was all crazy and stuff. It was good times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that, that, I mean, shoot, I hadn't had fun like that at a game night with a whole bunch of folks around since like my 36th birthday in Shanghai. Like, wow. <laughs> Shanghai, what? Oh, so crazy. wait, hold on, hold on. Uh, welcome to the hypothetical comedy podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina, and I am Athena Rodriguez, and we're here with comedian Erica Switzer. Hi, Erica, how you doing? Hey, everybody. Hey, Sam. Hey, Athena. <laughs> Good to see you. It's been so long. We were just talking about that. I know it's been forever. Uh, I've been real busy out in these Chicago land streets. Hell and- yeah, you have. Just happy to reconnect. Absolutely. Hey, uh, uh, so we were just talking about you went to Shanghai for your 36th birthday. I want to hear about that. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> the, me. <laughs> like, you know, I just say a bump Chicago and just get my little $400 one way nonstop. <laughs> like, I don't hear just like peace. Meow. <laughs> what? That's crazy. No, 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 no. So what happened was when I got uh, divorced, I kind of pressed the reset button on the reset button mm. and went to Shanghai, China to teach and, you know, do some cultural stuff. But my, you know, college sweetheart over there. I was oh, over there. Wow, that's cool. But, and then this is how the whole comedy thing started. I started doing comedy in China. Because you have to have all your ducks in a row. You have to have so much red tape, so many things in order to even get over there to live, to teach, to do anything. So I knew coming into, I'm going to teach, I'm going to do comedy, I'm probably going to do some public speaking thing. Knocked all that stuff out. Started doing comedy in Shanghai in July 2017. Because I had to get on stage to talk about the reset button after the reset button <laughs> when the college sweetheart was no longer sweethearting and thus I got on that stage and haven't stopped. So uh, I've been home since July of 2020 and around that time I met y'all started doing this virtual comedy thing and the rest is history. Wow. You came home during the pandemic. Yeah. That is so crazy. I had to clear my name and convince people that I wasn't the original, the OG black bat that started this mess. <laughs> you know, Sam actually has a, a friend named Todd who uh, has been in China for the past, I believe, 10 years. And he teaches, he teaches and he, uh, uh, I think he works with like audio recording and he's really good with uh, um, I guess studying the language. Was that like hard for you to adapt to? First of all, uh, <laughs> Todd, an audio recorder. Nice. Um, at the French school that I worked at for the last two years I was there, our music teacher's name was Todd. So I'm wondering if it may be small, small world after all. <gasps> we'll find out. But sometimes the world does work like that. I met a whole bunch of Chicagoans over there in Shanghai. I also met a whole bunch of Africans. 
Oh, that's surprising. When people are (laughs) in China, yeah, there is at least 300,000 Africans in Hangzhou. Not Hangzhou, sorry, Guangzhou. Find out more about that. Do a little Google research it. See where they was going to put that uh, scholarship money and who they told, come learn the language and we'll hook you up. See how they did or did not hook them people up, but the people over there. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is wild. So wait, so wait, you were you able to catch on to the language? Because I feel like when I was trying to learn Mandarin before I found out that uh Cantonese was a little bit uh more or it's like vice versa, um, there's a lot of like tonal inflections that can mean completely different words. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can, for example, uh, you mentioned Cantonese. I think Cantonese has, what, five or six tones? And, yeah, six tones. Uh, Mandarin has four. So slightly less, but it's still just as hard or harder because you have, like you said, the meaning changes with the tone, with the inflection. So the word ma can mean ma, ma, ma. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to to do the short, the long, the extended... (laughs) The four tones, ma, ma, ma. Yeah, up and down. One can mean mother. One can mean horse. One can be put at the end of the word to ask a question. And the other one can be screw off. It depends on how you use that tone and where you. <laughs> wow. The tone makes a difference in the word meaning. Yeah. That's that crazy. A huge difference. Huge difference. Because you could either tell somebody I'm getting on a horse or I'm about to F your mom. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting on my mom. <laughs> what did you say? Oh, no, I meant horse. I'm sorry. <laughs> how, how long were you in China? Uh, you think, like 17 to 20? Like three years? Yeah, about three and a half. I got mm-hmm. there Thanksgiving, uh, just after Thanksgiving of 2016, because we know what happened then. <laughs> my uh my my friend one of my best friends in the whole world he actually moved to china to to beijing about 11 he's been there for 11 years he's in beijing okay so if he was in shanghai he might have been my shanghai todd i was telling you about yeah i told her about <laughs> music oh, i had to walk away because the guy that has my car called me <laughs> he wants to add oh. an air filter i'm like okay just do it hurry up <laughs> nice <laughs> nice yeah, Todd's up in Beijing. So Beijing, they have a little extra thing. The Beijing accent, they use R's at the end of words. Yes. You know what? Actually, um, he was telling me about that because they have a word that um, translates to like um. And he said it sounds a lot like the N word. and It makes him feel uncomfortable when people say it. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but it means it means like um, right? <laughs> Yeah, it does. And so when I would hear people down in, in Shanghai with that Beijing accent, I'd be a little confused sometimes. <laughs> like, what'd you say? <laughs> Who's you? What is you? So there's, um, uh, speaking of the whole virtual thing, since I took off and did a lot of virtual stuff, I got a uh, virtually won a spot on Chocolate Sundays next year. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, Labor Day weekend the next year, y'all. Oh. And that that I did, the three minute set that I did to get that was about a similar word in the Chinese language. Uh, I'll give you all the preview only because we buddies. 
um, before I left, right around the time I left, they had opened mainland China's first Popeyes. Wow. Yeah. Serious. Like, China does not play. Shanghai does not play. When people ask, what's Shanghai like? I say Shanghai. To, compared to Chicago, Chicago was Shanghai Junior Junior. Okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> here we have one-third the people, one-third the area, and a third of the smells. Uh, but we... <laughs> Very interesting foods over there. You can play durian or dead body with your friend. Oh, <laughs> oh I've heard similar about that about durian. Pretty oh, the, oh gosh, it tastes like gym socks. It is absolute. This weird in the texture thing, like it's part sweet and part horrible. It tastes like rancid uh, pineapple cottage cheese. <laughs> oh no. With oh, chives. Delicious. Wow. <laughs> Wait, what? With chocolate in it? With, ch- with chives in it. Oh, oh, wow. It like, tastes like onion for no good reason. But anyway. But they, Shang- eat, they eat it a lot, though, in China, right? They do. Yeah. I don't know. Durian ice cream. Me and the homies we were doing Hey Now comedy. We were doing Hey Now comedy skits, and we tried durian. So it was three Black Americans. Me and my two two guys trying durian uh, cookies, durian ice cream, and then durian itself. I'm going to have to dig that up. But no, China was it was amazing. Shanghai was quite an experience. You could just find everything. There was a, a scene for everything. All you had to do was know somebody. If you went to punk music, we had badass punk bands and badass pop to catch punk music. And we sometimes have acts come from all across the world. If you wanted to catch like indie, like Sev Dal, the Sev, I always, I love her music, but I always screw her name up. Sev Deliza, she's <laughs> badass, dreamy, space poppy, like oh, like wow. bad, badass. She was at Bandai Namco uh, Music Hub or whatever they have. They have amazing places there. Shanghai has a comedy scene. We just started getting our comedy scene back because somebody decided to take it upon himself to crack a joke in the land of we don't like free speech that treaded on uh, their national military. Oh. And he got, they got fined, uh, the the comedy production group they had, got fined $2 million. Um, And when I left, we were already in the territory of we want to see scripts before you get on stage. Oh, dang. Okay. So, but they're, they're over there and they're bustling. And one of my, my comedy, um, ex-husband, cause I'm no longer on the, on, on the continent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's still like my comedy husband in a way, you know, he's the comedy uncle to my comedy auntie. He's still over there producing comedy shows and they're becoming more, um, where they can license English speaking comedy shows. They're they're over there doing it, which is amazing. But again, it's still you gotta watch what they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. See what winds up happening here with us. But anyway, Chinese Popeyes. Labor Day. <laughs> oh, right, uh, yeah, absolutely. Day, uh if you're in LA or around LA, come see your girl. <laughs> Dude, Hell yeah. that is so great. That is so, so crazy that like you just don't make jokes about the government, and you'll be okay. 
<laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Because we were told, hey, there's four T's. You know, the four T's you can't talk about. Like Tiananmen, Taiwan, Tibet. And I always forget what the other T is. Because I never cared to talk about it. But for them, it's a really real thing. Uh, so, yeah, I got to admire. I've always admired the Chinese comedian's courage to get up and tell those jokes in their language. Yeah. Um, they, they're just getting used to stand-up comedy. This is a new thing to them because their older traditional comedy is slapstick. It's the Laurel and Hardy. It's the talk show. Wow. The wild guy, the funny guy. So. We were, uh, during the pandemic, because I was working a lot less hours, we were um, doing a hypothetical world tour mm-hmm. where we would do a show every Saturday in a different country, on, on Zoom, of course, but I would feature comedians from that country. And one of the ones we did was Hong Kong. Um, and it was super cool because the, one of the guys there, I think was the headliner even, he was at an actual comedy show. And he did, um, he took his phone with him on stage. And so he did the, the in, in front of an audience and on Zoom at the same time. Dope. It yeah. was so cool. It was super cool. We were doing stuff like that. Um, there was a show that I was... Was I featuring or hosting? I don't even remember. So one of the iterations of Comedy UN in Shanghai, where we had three or four different venues uh, during the time I was there, um, we videoed in uh, very funny Chen Wang. And Chen Wang was in Scotland at the time, I think. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so it's it's amazing when we do these hybrids and when we get these comedians communicating in front of people. and It's, it's so much fun. Folks just don't get it. Get into the virtual stuff, y'all, and enjoy being able to connect with people who may not even be in your time zone, but speak your language and speak your funny. It's fun. Yeah, it really made a better uh, a better way to like find a lot of your people, you know. Because I mean, sometimes I I think a lot of what it what it did is open the you know the gates of um, well, I guess open the gates. Gatekeeping is very prominent in a lot of comedy scenes. So this kind of like opened that up for everybody because for once everybody was at ground zero. We were all at the same level. Nobody was higher up or anything. So we we're just kind of like getting to know each other to survive mentally, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny too when the pandemic ended, just seeing like the comics who went kind of went straight to the top, right? We just started headlining and getting all these shows right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that person's a big deal. I didn't realize it. <laughs> Well, it's also hard to tell people who didn't believe in what virtual comedy could do. Yeah, we actually mm-hmm. out here tightening these sets. We're yeah. actually interacting with people who are in the audience. Mm-hmm. And we actually are able to keep some modicum of that same energy. Of course, that physical, the jitters you get, the butterflies you get when you're performing, the bubble guts, or how you're, <laughs> you know, how she might react. She's taking too long. And if you ask her a question, now you got to bounce back into it. Same, same. Mm-hmm. Same, same. It's just connecting with each other and communicating and having that fun. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What was it like for you in Shanghai when the pandemic hit? So, uh, we were getting let out of school for Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, as common. One of the world's largest commuting periods, right? Deputy headmaster, I'm sorry, head of languages, told us, uh, guys, 
When we return, get ready to come back online. We knew something was up. We knew something was up because there had been rumblings of there was this new kind of super pneumonia or super flu going around. Oh, there was yeah. The, who they talked about who was the whistleblower who wound up becoming a martyr mm-hmm. because he was the first one to say, hey, something's up. So, um, and um, a family matriarch, one of my great aunts, had just passed away. So it was a And Kobe had just died. It's a whole bunch of madness. I woke up 4 a.m. one night. I'm like, I should be happy. This is break. But I'm not. And I grabbed one of my little orange coffee-flavored cigarettes and just started stress puffing. Stress puffing out the window. I don't care if it's airborne. I'm not about to sit here like a damn sitting duck. Screw this. How much does it cost to get out of here now? $3,600 one way. Shit. That's nine times more than I paid to get there. Come on now. Do I really? I don't want to catch this shit. I want to go home. So it was, it was stressful. Uh, but by Valentine's Day of 2020, I found a $900 ticket and came home, surprised my boyfriend, um, said, Hey, mama, what's up? I'm home. Um, cause it was that, that first, what, two and a half, three weeks of even deciding what to do was absolute hell. And I sat there cycling through each and every emotion on a daily basis, trying to figure out what the hell's going on in the world. What's going on on the other side of this country? I'm I'm in Shanghai. Wuhan is six hours away. By right. Oh I was going to say, yeah, you're super close to ground zero at this point. So as people travel, you can get to Wuhan by, by like, quick, by maglev train, bullet train, you know, or by flight. How could that spread? It could spread ridiculously. Could it spread a lot? Yeah, because uh, millions of people just left this country and are going to other countries. What's about to happen? Mm-hmm. What's up with my family? How are they coping with my great aunt's loss? Oh. Kobe's gone. What the fuck? <laughs> Everything felt crazy to me. So I, I just had to go ahead and take that leap. Pay that 900 bucks, come home, teach the kids. You know, I split my... um I was home for a month to, to give you guys that. I wasn't trying to leave my job. They they paid well. <laughs> wasn't trying. To, I was ready to, you know, wake up in the morning, start my day, checking the kids' uh, assignments, making sure everybody turned their stuff in. And that night, then I give them their next set of assignments. Uh, and then, um, depending on what time of the day it was, go ahead and have live classes with them. Some of my kids were in France. Some of my kids were in Australia. Some of my kids were still locked up in China. So, yeah, it was a lot of getting comfortable with Zoom. It was a lot of adapting to being away from people having to communicate and just kind of like reclaim some sense of humanity with that. Yeah. It was awkward as hell in May of 2020 to have the kids start coming back into the classroom. I'm so distant from them. They're falling in single line. We got all kinds of plastic shields and stuff up. This feels like some, this feels like the sequel to 1984. I don't know if Orwell wrote this or what. This was my life felt like in real life Black Mirror from the time this stuff happened till recently, which is why I said I needed to come home to clear my good name and prove I'm not the OG Black Bat that started this. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, you did clear your name, that's for sure. <laughs> Were you expecting it to be like the way it was when you came home? Yes, in a way, because uh, they told us to lock down. They didn't tell us to lock down. Hold on. Let me get that straight because so many people were out of China. So many people were out of Shanghai. And you probably have seen some of those pictures of Shanghai looking like a ghost town. Yeah. uh, Certain periods. And they had even told people, stay out of the country longer. Stay out. You know, it was that bad. And they were trying to figure out it was chaos. Yeah. It was chaos. Um, wow, I'm so wrapped up in that emotion. I forgot what question you asked, Sam. <laughs> oh, just about about coming home and you know, it was it was still pandemic here too. Um me and the boyfriend were doing a vacation, a stay in vacation in downtown Chicago on St. Patrick's Day weekend. We figured downtown Chicago, St. Patty's Day weekend, we'd have died the river green and all that. Folks are going to be out getting rowdy and stuff. The, the subway on St. Patrick's Day in Chicago is notorious. We didn't have any of that. Wow. Now, this is it's about to hit us. We were about to be locked down here in the States because cases were getting bad in Washington and they were getting really bad in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the biggest entry points to the country. Yeah. The East Coast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And then you, uh, uh, not you guys, but like China, um, they definitely were taking precautions while the U.S. was kind of not even taking it seriously. Still trying to figure out what was going on or how. Right, and right. some of those early days where it was just us uh, teachers that has decided to stay around, we we had, uh, thanks to the, the holiday schedule, we had a lot of good time off, you know, a lot of little breaks here and there. Uh, so there was a good handful of us that decided to stay. We spent all our good money. We didn't want it to go in <laughs> here. And uh, we would get, we would meet up at like these bars that would still be open. Just a handful of us like, what's really going on? Who knows something? What, what's your people telling you? You got the news? What's happening? Like it was, it was like that. Wow. <laughs> it was, uh, um. That's why I mean some of these Netflix shows are kind of nailing it. They're they're getting it. They're starting to get it. They're starting to be able to produce that same kind of palpable tension that we all had in those steady first days of not knowing what the hell was going on with the world. Yeah, absolutely. Like every week was different. Every week was different. Like it changed every week. I think that's like one of the biggest reasons why it was like very collectively traumatizing. Because a lot of people hadn't experienced that kind of, you know, um, what, what, uh, unknown in their mm-hmm. life. And it was just coming all at once. And every week, I think it was like, all of a sudden there were murder hornets and all of a sudden there were zombie people. And all of a sudden it was like, <laughs> what is next? What it was happened? a weird, it was such a weird time. <laughs> It was a very weird time. And you see how some of this stuff is still unfolding. We had those rumblings of aliens, especially because there was like, yeah. what, what it was in 2018, I got treasure trove of all these, these sightings that they finally released to the public and stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah the military and them, baby, we know they around. Come on, just tell it to <laughs> us. Where's the, where is this group of 24 clerics that's supposed to tell us gently so we can all be ready? What is, where, let's just be real about it. Oh my you gosh. Know? 
they did an alien thing a couple of days ago. Actually, you're probably referencing that. And then somebody on Facebook said, "Aliens in this economy." <laughs> <laughs> I know they should have came like 30 years ago. <laughs> they should have got that dot com bubble. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm finding, I'm finding, and people need, listen. Uh, there's somebody who's very close to me who told me straight up to my face, Erica, I had to stop following you. I had to mute you because all you do is post wins. Look here. This season is called I Ain't Got It. We ain't got it either. It's broke season. <laughs> <laughs> These aliens going to be coming time now. What the hell? Yeah. I know y'all had it like that. We would have bought some. What, this, what is this? We need to... <laughs> Babylon, go back and get him some of them B-Ray cups. Go get him some of them. He, they, you know, like they gonna come down here and see we bombed out and depleted. They gonna they gonna not be happy. They're not gonna be happy. <laughs> They're gonna be real reluctant to pass us any of their alien hypersonic technology. Then we don't trust y'all. We don't trust you. <laughs> you lose every damn thing, you mess up every damn thing you touch, we don't trust you. <laughs> True. I, I saw a meme um a few years ago that I, I laughed so hard. Uh, and it was just like, I bet when aliens pass by Earth, they lock their doors. <laughs> wow. It's true. Ghetto as hell. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Maybe they won't notice us. Oh, we the know. Earth is very ghetto. They are right. They are right. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about a little more fun topic, I guess. Uh, I just started this one into the Shanghai podcast, but it's so interesting. <laughs> hey, so you did comedy for the first time in Shanghai, um, but when was it that you like kind of discovered and fell in love with comedy? Yeah. Shoot. Well, so I actually did comedy club in high school and improv in college. So I was dabbling the whole time. Okay. Dad. Well, I mean, okay, so growing up in the 80s, I used to have my mom rent everything Whoopi Goldberg for me, everything Eddie Murphy. I could not get enough. They were my two heroes growing up. Them two and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They were my heroes. <laughs> oh, that was unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> That's a random third. <laughs> but he was fun, though. He was in a lot of fun movies. He is that dude. And I love this Renaissance granddaddy Arnold who's very funny and just leaning into them roles. Killing Gunther was, he was, he went off in Killing Gunther. He's the best part of the whole movie. Wow. Oh, I should check that out. It's fun. It, fun. It's like Taron Killen and the, and, and the crew just kind of like drag on for like the first hour of the movie. Arnold's like 20, 25 minutes he's in and are worth watching. But nevertheless, like Whoopi <laughs> and Eddie were just, everything to me um when i was eight my dad got robin harris's baby's kids tape and that oh, was i remember that that's what solidified stand up and the love of finding that rhythm hearing those punches hearing those laughs him digging in the crowd him bouncing off of dl hughley who was hosting it and i'm eight and i'm hearing it just like i'm hearing music and that's that's what i fell in love with it for real for real yeah absolutely and at what point did you decide that you're funny and you can do this i used to frequent kung fu comedy in shanghai and like i said i knew i wanted to do comedy i mean i had it in me i dabbled in it i knew i had to just do it i started going to their open mics on a regular basis after 
a couple of uh, buddies um, started seeing me hanging around this open mic that they were having. A mixologist buddy of mine, beautiful, tall, young bartender from Australia, was doing a guest spot at this place called Pierogi Ladies, which is very cool. It was run by two straight up Polish girls who were making, oh my gosh, those they were fire. Mm. I'm from Chicago. I lived on the Northwest side. They were fire pierogies, <laughs> all right? The source. They had beaten goat cheese combo, boy. Woo! Ooh, anyway. Wow, that does look good. I know. So you got pierogies and borscht in 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 stand up comedy in Shanghai, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting here drowning my sorrows and drinks, trying to get over my exes, both of them. Exes. <laughs> <laughs> I like this how you said exes. <laughs> <laughs> and then so you know, I just just struck it up with them, and they were like, "Eric, are you gonna get on this open mic? You gonna get on this open mic?" It's like, yeah, I'll do it one day. Typical Erica. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll make good on it. So I started coming around maybe once a month and getting good responses. It's like, just hey, I'm just me talking about me and my day being a black girl here in Shanghai. Folks were digging it because we have really cool crowds in Kung Fu comedy. You can walk in that room any given. First of all, never seen open mics so packed on a regular basis. They would have folks almost out the room and have to turn people away. Dang. Um, because Kung Fu, comedy, Kung Fu comedy was the name in Shanghai. The the big name U.S. stars to come through. Kyle Kinane is one of my favorites that I saw here. Dwayne Perkins, you know, great comics coming through. Um, but their open mics would be packed, so you could have a room that would be maybe a half local, and then like four girls from Germany, three guys from the U.K., a handful of American students here. So you're doing comedy and you're playing jokes to the common denominator. It's just pure funny, right? You're playing the pure funny. So the one of the co-owners was like, you're really funny. Why don't you do this more often? I said, crippling anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I, I paused as I took a sip from my gin and tonic before I said that. It was a beautiful, dramatic pause for a fact. But, but I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't. That something goes on with me when I get on stage. I feel flushed and then my, like, get the bubble guts and I feel like I might memory dump and all my anxiety is going crazy. And it's like, no, you're funny. Get up there and tell them. So I, I got in there. I just, I, I, I never look back. Oh, man. I never, I, I think we all go through that. Like, like the funny has to outweigh the anxiety, you know, for us to kind of get over it. But yeah, yeah. I think we all kind of go through that. I feel like, uh, I mean, I've been in comedy for like 10 years and I feel like recently uh, in the past year or so that anxiety finally kind of went away, uh, which is nice, which I is still feel helpful. <laughs> I still feel it for me. It's been like a little over like 10 years and I still feel it every time I go on stage and my like, I sweat, it just goes, and I'm like, oh, okay, that doesn't make it more awkward. I <laughs> just... What do they call that? Do they call is that what flop sweat is? Because it feels like <laughs> it just it's just like <laughs> it's just like drench. Yes, <laughs> moisture dump. Just like <laughs> and I just I'm I am mammogram years old, so I know exactly ooh, that ooh, that feeling. And then she's <laughs> over here uh, sweating makeup into her eyes and oh my gosh, <laughs> and a <laughs> <So bad. laughs> 
I mean, well, I mean, with y'all being, you know, 10 years in and still feeling it. I do want to ask since y'all are 10 years in, but I know your comedy. How do you feel about where your voice is now? Do you feel, because you know how many people say you don't really find your voice until you're 10 years in? Yeah, they do say that. Yeah. And then I was listening to old videos a couple of days ago because we had a long set and I was trying to like come up with some old, you know, recycle some old material. And uh, I really did not have my voice then. And I feel like I'm at a place now where I do, I really do. Mm-hmm. And I can go up there and, and I can, f- I feel like I'm talking to a group of friends now. Yeah. I, I love that. I'd be like, Hey, you guys, guess what? This and this. And they just eat it out of the palm of their hands. Uh-huh. And I'm getting a lot better with like on the fly stuff. Like, like I do this joke where, like where the setup is where I mentioned dick pics. And then last, so last night I did this and then this table, I just said, I just said, whenever I send dick pics and I stopped and this table just like laughed hysterically. <laughs> and so I looked over there and I go, wow, they got really excited. Uh, you guys have a phone number I could forward those pictures to? And <laughs> the place just like died. It was great. So I'm getting a lot better at just kind of playing off of things that are moving out or happening in the room too. I think awesome. that, I think that you can achieve uh, that sense of, you know, your own voice maybe sooner than 10 years. But when you're kind of in the process, you're going up against like, uh, that, I don't know if you, you dealt with this, but it's almost like dealing with like imposter syndrome and tandem with anxiety and, and you don't really focus on what you're trying to say. You're just trying to focus on what everybody else is doing, including the audience. So I, I think that you, it can be achieved a little bit earlier. Yeah. But, it just depends on the person. Yeah. It too. just depends on your environment the way that you handle things and stuff like that. When I, when I first started doing comedy, a lot of the older comics told me, you know, you don't know what you're doing until 10 years in. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I've been doing it for two or three years. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but essentially, I mean, they were right, you know, because you really don't, you're just kind of going through the motions, you know, you're learning how to write jokes and stuff. You're just kind of like learning the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I do feel like we've definitely found our voice. At least I have, you know, so I can speak for myself. That's dope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, Erica, so you're back in Chicago, you know, it's pandemic time, whatever. Um, the pandemic starts to kind of lift and things open up a little bit. What's that look like for you? Hmm. I'll fast forward to just coming back, being home. Because um, the crazy thing about it is even though my kids were sometimes challenging, they got really good grades. Uh, they, last year I was there. And for like the standardized testing, the IGCSEs, they were up my ass about a couple of kids not doing as well as they could have the year before. I was on pins and needles. I was like, oh. I have my kids, especially because we had to do the virtual stuff. I had them trained up on writing so tough before we had to leave for the break that they took it that much more seriously when we were just straight up virtual. So those kids got eights and nines, like maximum scores on that. And they extended okay. me a final contract. And I turned it down to come home. Oh, wow. So um, I came home knowing that I was leaving behind a cushy, I can grade these kids' papers on the rooftops with a mimosa type of lifestyle. Um, Jet setting with a lot less worries and getting comedy dick thrown at me left and right (laughs) to come home and actually make money for doing comedy, but have to do a real job. That that was the thing that I hated. I hate the fact that we have such a crazy enough 
like setup that I can't teach in Chicago unless I'm teaching as an adjunct professor at at a community college. But nevertheless, I took, I, I came back, I put my best foot forward. I was working two jobs to start. One of them was a life insurance job, which I knew was not going to work. It was not going to work, especially because one of the trainers uh, would talk about being a chain smoker, which was weird, even though we're doing cigarettes. <laughs> Cause he coming, hey, hey, everybody, how we doing? All right, it's Monday, let's go. You're yeah, like, you're, you're like your policy's about to go up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Say that a little louder. You what you got in a grandfather didn't deal with the company? <laughs> you, did you give him enough Mount Marlboro points to get your premium? <laughs> oh, I remember that. Oh my gosh. Oh wow, Marlboro miles. Well, but this, so here's the thing. So we would have these meetings. I'm maybe I sign some stuff and I'm hoping that they never find this, but if they do, <laughs> <laughs> We would have these meetings and that same trainer would dance all through the meetings. What? Or they might play some music. They play music and put him on the spot so he pop locking. <laughs> <laughs> the fake ass thriller dance. Damn. You know. While we're trying to sell insurance. And I'm like, I gotta go. This ain't it. This <laughs> not it. This not it. <laughs> So I got my I got my good HR job back. I got my good HR job back that I had before I left. So thank God, uh, good. life is pretty decent. I had I was doing voiceovers. I was uh, spent the past year and a half doing voiceovers for a celebrity gossip channel on YouTube. Oh wow! Oh, that's cool. And I'll tell you because true celebrity stories on YouTube. Check out my Steve Harvey. It's very funny. I will. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love Steve Harvey, so we'll see. I'll do it for y'all because I love y'all. Um, it's It is about Steve meeting Marjorie for the first time. Steve meeting his beautiful wife, Marjorie, for the first time. And he's about to get on stage at the club. And he's like, I don't know who this lady is, but I'm going to marry her. So, like, <laughs> I was pretty sure. Not. That video got like a million views. Wow. I only got 20 bucks for it. Oh. Dang. Dang. Sounds like you need to start your own celebrity website, <laughs> YouTube channel. Yes. Yes. So coming soon, once I go ahead and finish the script, I was working on the script before I, I came in here and talked to y'all. I've been kicking this can around. I'll share a little bit of it with you. Let's go ahead and knock on some wood. Yay. So you follow through with it. But it's a movie. It's based on uh, uh, movies that are so bad they're good. Oh yeah, there's a lot of them too. There's a lot. I'm focusing on the '80s and '90s, and the first two that I'm doing, I am going to talk about the idol because (laughs) I need to talk to somebody about that when I finished watching. I really did. Um, So that's coming up, but also Red Sonia. Oh wow! With Arnold and Brigitte Nielsen, yes. uh, and Ernie Reyes Jr. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Ernie Reyes Jr. is one of the unsung heroes of the '80s. That kid oh, no. was magic in everything he was in, from Sidekicks to The Last Dragon. 
I am not doing The Last Dragon because it is a great movie. It is not a terrible movie. But Ernie Reyes Jr. is in there. Sandal Bergman, Valeria from the original Conan, and she's the bad girl here. Fun movie. And then um, Black Devil Doll from Hell, one of my seminal favorites. Athena, that's right. I know. I was like, do you know the movie? She reacted. Do you know it? No, but that's like a crazy ass title. (laughs) That would like make me want to watch it though. I'm I'm going to tell y'all, see, I don't share my hopes and dreams with people or old hopes and dreams, but I used to want to be a professor. I I do have a master's in English and I wanted to go on for a PhD, but you know, the GRE whooped my ass to be perfectly honest with you. The hell I need to know all this math for? I'm writing papers, bitch. Come on. (laughs) You know, I'm doing racialized retellings of Frankenstein by way of Olada Equiano and Frederick Douglass's slave narratives. I ain't got no time to be doing no math. <laughs> but nevertheless, I wanted to do uh, classes on transgressive films. Films to push the art for art's sake button to the point of being so extreme. Why are we watching it? What are they trying to say? Oh, Wasn't that I was trying to like just do it so that I could be all controversial and like this just in professor requires that students watch a Serbian film. We don't want that. I wasn't trying to do that, but I wanted to to, to see why uh, people test those boundaries. Uh, straight to video horror of the eighties is also in the, those categories. Black Devil Hell is one of the best uh, examples of that. This brother Chester N. Turner. From Chicago. Some of the houses shot in the, the, the video, I felt like I grew up next door to. Like, that's my cousin's house in Broadview. What is that? Like, really, straight to video, $750 budget. The man took a correspondence course before filming the movie, had never done film before, used a doll. They $750, I feel like a good chunk of that. $250 was for the Casio that he played the soundtrack on. <laughs> Sound like pole position about to go off, you know. <laughs> um between that and the doll itself, which is modeled after Rick James, but has the sheen of an 80s coked up James Brown. And the doll stunts were done by Chester author's, uh, um, Chester Turner's nephew. So you see this little <laughs> doll with the wig, with the, the, the braided wig doing the little stunts. It is a marvel of black exploitation. <laughs> it is the unsung hero of black horror. And I cannot wait to talk about it. <laughs> I used to talk about it on stage and in, in the, the, um, I'll never forget. I got Mateen Stewart into it when he was in Shanghai. It's <laughs> like, Mateen, you got to check this movie out. This is the craziest shit you've ever seen in your life. Look at this. <laughs> hey, that's going to be awesome because like bad, bad things that are so good is like, it's, it's they're really fun to watch. Like I'm watching this YouTube channel where they do that with, with bad wrestling, you know, and I'm just loving it. And uh, you're just like, you sound so smart about it. Like, you know, your stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I've seen these movies way too many times. <laughs> yeah. 
seen Red Sonia way too many times. Oh my god! I watched, like for some reason because it was so bad, it was good. Like they like expedited it to TV after it came out, and it was on channel. It was like on our lo- local channel thirty two, like on Saturday mornings and shit. And I'd just be like, fun movie. And and Arnold and Brigitte have such chemistry in it. It's undeniable. I'm looking at it at six, like, oh, they look like they're doing it. And she looks like an Amazon. Like, that's the best part is, like, she looked, like, you know, equally yoked for him. So that was that was one of the, the delights I, I found in the movie, too. see i could do a whole subsection on all the chicks they have in arnold's movies just like we could do it on the the bond girls we could do it specifically on arnold's sisters because a lot of them was latina we know why oh i never put that together me either starting from predator baby so it's his man come on now wow that's funny funny he always had the thing for the you know the ladies of color you know so mm-hmm. i'm gonna go ahead to talk about stuff like that <laughs> i love yeah. it the way grace jones was like grab him and take him and conan the destroyer we gotta talk about this it's fun stuff grace 80s for grace oh i love grace jones yes queen mother so fucking cool dude hell yeah Hell yeah. So Erica, you're comedy, man. You're you're everywhere. You're doing all kinds of stuff. Uh you've been on a couple festivals. I saw you're on the the Black Women in Comedy uh, Laugh Festival. I believe you're on the 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 Riot the Laugh Riot Girl. Was what was it called? Yeah, Laugh Riot. Girl. Yeah, Laugh Riot Girl. Um how's how's comedy for you and how's this being all these places? Pretty awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> To be real honest, what you say, it's been pretty awesome. Um, my first festival experience was in Mongolia. Oh, so, wow. I, for me, every festival from there on out has just been fantastic. Uh, first of all, I even get happy to be chosen, to be selected. Like, yeah. thank you yeah. for liking me. I'm glad I edited my tape well. Uh, <laughs> I know get that money back so I might as well at least look good in front of you so you know like Burbank Comedy Festival I did in 2021 I did Laugh Riot Girl in 2021 as well but I did that one virtually uh Black Women of Comedy Laugh Fest I've been there back-to-back years now the last year I was there to perform and I gave a a speech as part of the self-care brunch that we do which is really cool you know, things this, talking about some of the things that I encountered being half a world away from home and basically going through shadow work like a motherfucker. Yes, like, absolutely. Because when you got nothing else to do with it, the ex-husband is gone, the ex-boyfriend ain't worked out, you're tired of drinking yourself every night. What is it? What's left? Do you grab some crystals? Do you call <laughs> on Jesus? Is it Buddha? Do you get into transcendental meditation? Are you levitating over your bed at night? What is it? It was deep soul work and trying to find the funny in there as well. So comedy was a huge part of my healing and going through that. Um, And I was so delighted to be able to give back 
and give some of my story to the ladies. Uh, and again, this year, I came back as a festival producer. I produced oh, wow. Eric Switzer and Friends at Young Ethel's. And it was a fun time. We had sisters representing New York, the VA, and me. So it was a lot of fun. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I'm excited. I'm excited. I produce um, Fear of a Black Cat Productions out here, carrying on from the productions I was doing in Shanghai, from Blackout Comedy to Hey Now Comedy to Fear of a Black Cat Productions. So as long as I've been performing just about, I've been producing. I co-produced Still Not Friday comedy out here in Aurora, Illinois, and we're, we are far west, but we have a lot of Chicago's best hitters every week. Great 20-minute feature sets, um, and it's a free show. <laughs> show. I mean, we have lineups that you'd be paying 25 bucks for, yeah, for free. Yeah, right. That's awesome. So it's, it's really cool. So I'm just excited. I'm all over the place doing my comedy, but I'm I'm here. I'm I'm here and I'm happy and I'm ready to be of service. Yeah. <laughs> I love it though. You're like you're in Chicago, so you're like in the middle, and then you just go west coast, east coast, back and forth. It's awesome. It's so cool. I you know, I've been like I said, I've been spending more time in New York the past couple of years. I'm coming back out your way next year. So we got we gonna make plans. I'm gonna have to come to y'all. Whatever we're gonna make plans, I'm gonna see y'all. That's what's yeah. gonna happen. We are in the I San Francisco. Area. And I was like, I gotta see y'all. I gotta see everybody. Yeah, absolutely. We're in the San Francisco area, just FYI. Yeah, Fran. I mean so I could start planning. <laughs> I'd be a comedy Oakland. I could call Ira up, let him know I'd be around. Yeah, That'd absolutely. We'll try to get on with you if you if you do that. That's awesome. That'd um cool. that would be super cool. A lot of people go to LA and they'd be like, "Hey, I'm in your area," and we're like, "No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little, you're a little far." <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to be those people. That's, That's like saying, I, "I'm like we're yeah, in San Fran. <laughs> I'm in Shanghai. I'm in Beijing. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nar. Yeah, yes." <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, um, so you're into the shadow work and stuff, and you're into a little bit of spirituality. Uh, let's manifest a couple things. What are some things that you are looking to accomplish in, in comedy coming up? Mm, let's see. What do I want to put in the air, for real? What do I want to put in the air? Uh, I'd like more people to be upset by my comedy. this <laughs> As much as I enjoy spreading joy, I need to ruffle just a few more panties. I need some feathers to go flying. Yeah, kind of even find, out a little. Find me uncomfortable. Don't find me unfunny. Find me uncomfortable. <laughs> There's enough people here in Chicago to want to find me unfunny because they know I'm unique. I'm original. I do what I do. There's only one other person on this planet that can have the same uh, kind of journey and she's the co-founder of Blackout Comedy, who get kicked out of China. That's another story. Wow. Let's see. I'm a manifest. I'm a manifest. I want my haters, as we're talking about them. I want my haters to have their first orgasms this year. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe they'll stop hating. <laughs> Absolutely. Because because all that kind of hate and animosity when a chick is just trying to get on stage and tell jokes about being China's Popeye's lady, all of that just shows me 
that they ain't never had it in the first place. They thought they had it. They out here with kids. They oh, you had it. No, you didn't. You ain't never had one in your life. <laughs> those were those were service squeezes. Those were helping to get the sperm up in there. Okay. That was. <laughs> So I just want to manifest real serious pleasure for all y'all shady, shady, manipulative, hating ass bitches. Finally, I want y'all to come. Want y'all to come and say my name when you do. That's so kind of you. I just wish them the best. I think so. I like that, uh, you know, you brought up shadow work. And one of the biggest things with shadow work is uh, learning to be uncomfortable in a situation. Because um, as you know, when you're uncomfortable, it really stimulates a lot of growth within yourself. So, you know, you kind of want the best for your haters in a way. <laughs> you want them to grow. Please come so you can be a little more fulfilled in your life. And yes. stop. <laughs> yeah. Just let it go. Let it go. Please. <laughs> good no i agree i definitely agree with that (laughs) (laughs) do you have any any projects or anything you're working on just that beautiful uh youtube movie review it's gonna be called the good and terrible the good and terrible that is awesome i I can't wait for that that's gonna be so fun i agree i'm when I put it out, I would like to uh, aim for uh, late August. Late August unveiling. Knock on wood. I want to get all the marketing and stuff right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Cool. Roll it out. Roll it out. All ready to go. I'm just going to go on Canva and Times New Roman and gig all that. That's not Erica. That's not. <laughs> it takes time. I'm a whole serve. I'm a full service. All the marketing, promotion, all that. That's me. Not a little Casio to give you some background music. Too. <laughs> yes. $750 budget. <laughs> but I, I mean, I got Fruity Loops. <laughs> and then I'll call Mike Dean to give me two notes. <laughs> there you go. You have progression. Hell yeah. Oh, did you want to? Um, did you want to plug your socials? So, being that um, Twitter has now been rebranded, and I am tired of logging on to go talk about what shows I'm on, only to be confronted with R and B singer penis. I would like <laughs> to say this is why I've deleted my Twitter. <laughs> did this happen okay. to you? It's haunting. It's- <laughs> my Twitter from the ground up. I had been on Twitter since 2008. I used to review porn and it's something I talk about in, in my jokes as well. But I used to review porn. I've uh, published books and stuff and have folks following me. Started doing comedy, have folks following me. I hate one of my highest profile followers. I hate that I let actually I let two of them go when I did that on Twitter. So now I'm going to go find them on Instagram. Instagram at Erica Switzer E-R-I-C-A S-W-I-T-Z-E-R. Um, and uh, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, Erica Switzer Comedy, or Erica Switzer. Either one, you'll get me. And um, for all intended purposes, just to find out what I'm about to remember all this funny, go to ericaswitzer.com. 
Sometimes I post new flyers and stuff, but the socials, check me out there. Yeah, be on the socials. Excellent. And you know, it's funny that you say that you post uh, your flyers on your website is yesterday we were, we were going to the show and we were having a conversation because we post our stuff on social media, but she was like, Hey, do you think we should start posting our flyers and the ticket links on our website? Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about that and stuff. And you just said that you do. So that's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna start doing that too. I think. I got a link tree just to try to consolidate all that stuff. Yeah, you know, same. Place. And so I have it on the top of my website. So if, you know, the website's got me at a glance, my bio, where I've been, where I'm going, all that cool stuff. But the link tree is up there just in case you ever want to buy tickets. I've been taking some time off. Like I said, I never stopped. I need to go ahead and take a month to just really be, oh. Yeah. But then someone said, Erica, oh, we had a dropout. Can you come do a feature? And I said, <laughs> yeah, y'all know me. I'm down the street. I'll go do it. <laughs> I'll go do it all reluctant. <laughs> That's what I, it's a good problem me. to have. It's a good problem to have. I, I actually live an hour away from Chicago, but there's a handful of times where there's a couple of clubs that they say, oh, we had a last minute cancellation. Can you come through? I'm like, I know y'all ain't about to pay me shit, but I'll be out there. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> who, who all over there? Who else on the show? I'll be there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's, That's what's awesome. good. That's awesome. Yeah, you can find me uh, at Funky Samadina across the board. And I'm at She Shines for You, all spelled out, no numbers. Awesome, Erica. So super fun talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank y'all for having me. It's so good to reconnect. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm trying we want chicken <laughs> I'm trying not to cry. See, I'm just a ball of emotions. It's just they they good people, y'all. Sound of thing. Um, y'all, they funny as hell, and they sweethearts. Y'all keep watching their stuff, keep supporting. They good uh-huh. people. Likewise, you. same, same for you. Um, I really, I can't wait to meet you in person. I hope it happens soon. Likewise, bro. Hell yeah.